wonderful song. Let's turn our Bibles once again to Romans chapter 13. Hope that you're well and hope that you've had a good week. Looking forward again to just uh, being together this morning as we open the Word of God. And um, I was just thinking this week again just um, about how the Lord has uh, brought us along on this journey and uh, many people have asked us, well, how, how do you feel about coming into, you know, a new church family and, you know, moving across to a different state and all of that? And um, honestly, you know, over the years as I've, um, I've, I've come here for different events and now being here permanently, um, I've just felt like I belong. And, um, and you know, it's, there's still a lot to to work together in, and there's still a lot to get to know each other in, but there's, a, there's just something about belonging to the Lord, that when you travel and you get to places and then God plugs you somewhere, plugs you in somewhere, uh, it's n- not really about anything else but by the fact that we belong to the Lord. And, you know, as a church this morning, I wanted to start a series called One for All. Because in the reality of things, we may have varying backgrounds, we may have even arrived to this church family through various means, but now that we are here, God's expectation of us is that we would be for each other. And that ought to be our mindset this morning as we um, gather together, as we open the Word of God. We want to be edified, but we want to be there for each other. And, um, and hence that, that title, One for All, and you know, someone wrote this as a poem. They said, To dwell above with the Lord we love, oh, that will be glory. To do- dwell below with those we know, now that's another story. <laughs> and I think we, we chuckle, we laugh a little bit because we understand that whilst there's a, there, there ought to be a sense of belonging to one another, and whilst we, we, we all have different stories and we're all here together now and that, you know, as we deal with each other, as we get to know each other, there's going to be things that, you know, in many ways um, can grate against us. And that's just the reality of the human experience, isn't it? It's not really, it's not really different in the sense of, um, of, you know, humanity in general. It doesn't really matter where you belong, where people are, there'll be those things that we sort of, uh, you know, rub each other the wrong way, so to speak. I think when we think about it, you know, really we ought to hold to a high degree, really the body of Christ, those of us who belong to, uh, to the church in the sense that we're saved and we're now in the Lord Jesus Christ and we're here together as a local assembly. And um, you, sometimes we look at the reality of that and it proves otherwise. And the fact is some Christians aren't just, just not easy to get along with. Let's just be honest this morning. You'll soon find out that um, as Christians, that you belong to a group of people that's imperfect. And I'll tell you, I've had my fair share of that. I've had some eye-opening experiences with the brethren as they've, uh, they've said things and done things that have caused me a bit of uh, discomfort and even has grated against me to the point where I've gotten angry toward that brother or the, that sister. But I'll be honest with you, I've probably done the same thing to others. And, um, and this, actually, when you think about it, shouldn't surprise us at all. Because though we're all imperfect and uh, we, we, we find ourselves still imperfect, 
and still battling this, this sinful flesh that we have. And we won't take the time this morning, but later on, look at Romans chapter, four, uh, chapter 7, verses 14 to 25. That whole uh, you know, inner dialogue that, that the Apostle Paul had with himself about you know, the, the things that he ought to do, he, he doesn't do. And the things that he does do, he does it in, in, you know, with this motive. And he just struggles to, uh, to, to explain through all of that, even in Scripture, all of the things that battle inside him. You know why? Because he understands within himself dwelleth no good thing. We know that if we live carnally as believers, those of us who are saved, that even if we follow after the flesh, when we don't walk in the Spirit, we know in Galatians chapter 5, there's that list of the fruits of the Spirit. But in, in, in contrast to that, you see the list there of the works of the flesh. And if you, you, you drill down in all of those things, they're really in relation to how we can sometimes treat each other badly. And, and all of that, and, and I hope that as we've started this message, it's not discouraging to you, it's just a bit of a reality check. Because that's truly where it's at. But the point is, we're, we're placed as saved individuals into a body of believers who all, including ourselves, have the potential to be carnal with all the ensuing works that it manifests. That's just the reality of our lives here on earth. And each one of us is given, though, if I can remind you, regardless of all of that, actually for the betterment of all. And hence, when we, the way we relate to each other makes all the difference. It's, it's really the basis of our unity as a church, is how we relate to each other. You know, thankfully this morning we have the Word of God to remind us that we're able actually in Christ to overcome, overcome the flesh and then through a steady diet of His Word change us even in the way that we relate and we deal with one another. In fact, God's Word has much to say about how we treat each other. See, our relationship with one another, it ought to reflect the care that He has for us. And actually what, what church is, is actually a preview of the fellowship that we're going to have in heaven one day. We're going to have that. Now, I wonder if you're, you're here this morning, if you're just thankful for heaven, put your hand up. I ought to be thankful for heaven. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to heaven. I'm, I'm sick of this sinful world. You know, with all of its, all of its craziness right, right now. And we look at that, though, and actually the times that we spend together ought to be a preview it ought to be a realization of the, of the truth of the one day that we're going to spend in eternity with Him. And we're going to look at, through this series, the next couple of weeks, the nature and function of our relationship with one another. And we're going to look, going to look at the basis of it. And, and right through Scripture, there's all of these one another verses. And we're going to examine every one of those in the next couple of weeks. But this morning, I just wanted to remind you what the foundation of that is. Why is it that we even have this consideration for one another? Why is it that there's even an expectation from the Lord that we ought to treat each other a certain way? Why is it then that, that there's this expectation that God has? And, and really the reason is simple. The reason is because of love. See, interwoven into the nature and function of how we are to be for one another is a love that we owe each other. See, the, the passage that, we, that, that Alvin read earlier in Romans chapter 13 has to do with, the, with God's expectation with how we, we treat authority 
how we are to give them the, those things that are due them. But he quickly changes tack there and refers to what, what is our expectation in the things that we owe. And generally speaking, when, when we owe something, there's, a, there's a, an expectation that we're going to pay it, isn't there? If you owe someone an amount of money, then there's probably an expectation that at some point, unless it's been clarified there, that you, you should pay that back. But understand that in, that in the scriptures there, as we read it, the Bible simply says, Owe no man anything but this, but to love. And he goes on and he says, you know, those commandments in the Ten Commandments that relate to how we treat each other, we read them earlier. If you, if you hang them all on this one thing, love your neighbor as yourself, then actually you'll fulfill the law. And so it's all about the, this foundation of deciding that we are going to love. That as we come into a congregation like this, as we come into a church family, we've got to decide that, that as, we, as God opens the doors to others, and as we journey together as a church family, that actually the thing that ought to motivate us in the way we treat each other and the, the thing that ought to be foundational in our fellowship is a genuine love for one another. And, and no matter really how you entered into this, you ought to understand that, that if God's brought you here, then God has brought you here for that purpose, that we are to love one another. And, and really, that's the basis of our message this morning. And we'll examine in, in Scripture, and, and this morning I'll be a little bit more teachy than I usually am. We're going to turn to a bunch of Scripture today, because I want you to see that this isn't just popular preaching. No, this is in the Word of God. And whether you're inclined to it or not, I, wanna, I want you to just surrender your own thoughts and I want you to surrender your own heart to what God expects instead of what we expect. And so this morning, I'm going to pray and then we'll get into the rest of the message. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you again for your grace and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for the, the ability that we have actually today to be able to, to sit here together, to open your word and Lord, in your uh, Lord, in your power, Lord, you've preserved it for us, perfect, inerrant. And Father, you've commanded us and you've given us certain expectations. And I'm thankful, dear Lord, for the, the time that we have. I pray that you'd please be with us. I pray that you'd work in our hearts. pray that you would be magnified. And we pray these things in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. And I want you to turn firstly to 1 John chapter 4. And, and really, John, uh, Romans 13 was our jumping off point. But First John chapter 4, and notice with me verses 7, and we'll read down to verse 11. So follow along. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And I want you to note firstly that as we read those, that really God is love and, and anything that is born of God ought to love. And he's saying here that really in the first place, as we have this foundation of our fellowship together, it really flows 
Firstly, from our fellowship with God. You know, every love has a beginning. The, the, that beginning for our love one for another comes from a love that was first given to us. We sung several songs today about the fact that, that God loves us. And that's why we love others. And, you know, we, we love Him actually because He first loved us. It wasn't, it wasn't that we took the initial steps. No, He, 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 uh, he, he took the, the first step to bring into process a way in which we can love Him. And the way he did that was through the cross. We understand that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And listen, if you have any uh, doubt about how God loves you, you ought to just remind yourself about what Jesus, died on, uh, Jesus did on the cross. See, for God commendeth, that means proved, his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, you can't even have a love for God without him proving his love for you first. And this morning, can I remind you, if you're saved, that that was a reality in your life. And listen, if you're not saved, then that, that's what it's about right now. It's about the fact that, not that you're, you're a good person, not that you've done all of these things for God. No, that you accept the fact that while you are yet a sinner, actually Christ died for you. That's his proof. Hey, listen, if God never provided any more in your life from this day forward, if you discounted all of the things that God has placed in your life to prove His love, if all of that disappeared overnight in a moment, listen, God would still have proved His love for you. He's already proven it. You know, you, sometimes you go through times where you're feeling sorry for yourself and you're feeling like you're alone, you're feeling like no one really cares. Hey, look to the cross, my friend. Listen, He's commended, He's proven His love. And our, our fellowship flows from our fellowship with God. And so the expectation then is tied to the fact that one greater than us, our Savior, the God who is love, who willingly died on the cross to prove His love for us, that's the expectation that then is afforded us to then love others. And can I remind you that the, the fact that He loved us while we were yet sinners, the implication to that is this, we were enemies. We weren't agreeable to God. None of us here were born with, with an agreeableness to the Lord. No, no, in our sin. That thing that offends God, the thing that is a transgression of the law. Even in that way, He loved us. And so how then should we show love? You see, we, we get that God is love. We get that He sacrificed Himself on the cross. He willingly gave His Son to die for the sins of all the world. But then how do we show God love back? And that, you know, He's demonstrated His love for us. And so what should we do then as saved people? Uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 22. Look at Matthew chapter 22. And I told you we'll, we'll turn to Scripture. So if we get there quickly, we finish the message quickly. All right. So Matthew chapter 22 and verses, uh, verses 36 to 40, there were those Pharisees and Sadducees and those who were doctors of the law who were trying to challenge uh, the, the Lord Jesus about this. And they asked this question simply, Master, which is the greatest, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. 
And this is the first and great commandment. And the second, notice, is, is like unto it. You know, that, that phrase means it's equal to it. It says, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He says, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. He's saying there that you can't do one without doing the other. You can't say you love God and you have a despiteful heart to those who are your brethren. He's saying you can't go about and declare, as we sung this morning, as we heard this morning, my Jesus, I love thee, without having an actual love for those whom he has loved. See, how do we show love back? We love God by loving those whom he loved. We, we love God by showing love to those that are around us. To, you know, it's easy, isn't it, to love someone that has generously loved us. But how do we show love back to him? You know, we do so by loving those whom he has died for. That's why we owe love. Because actually it's directly tied to how we love God. It's not about whether we, we agree with the person that we're sitting next to or we're sitting in front of or we're sitting behind. No, we owe it. We owe it to the one that loved us first. And listen, how do we show love back? That's how. So the implication then for a lack of love for other believers, when we're unloving to those whom God loves, there, then we're in effect dishonoring him that loved us most. If we come in here the, the, week in, week out, and we don't show love, we don't decide that we will love others, and we will, uh, the, like the Bible says, love covers a multitude of sins, and, and, and look at each other in the way that God would look at, uh, at us, then listen, we're doing not ourselves and not the other a disservice. Firstly, we're actually doing God a disservice. We're actually doing Him a disservice because it's His love that ought to flow through the, our love towards another. Listen, it's that, that's whom we owe. You know, you can't tell me that you love me and then mistreat my family. You can't go about and you can't say, hey, Pastor, I, we love you. And then next thing I see, you're pushing Jaden over. <laughs> you know, you can't do that. And, and sometimes, though, in effect, in all practicality, we're doing that to the Lord. We're saying, Lord, we love you. And then next thing, we're, we're saying something about someone or, or we're, we're, we're doing something that, that injures someone in malice. And then, and then we dare say we love God. But see, it's a flow on from our fellowship with God. Really, we offend God so often by being unloving toward His children. And it applies in a church. It applies in our fellowship. It applies to other Christians. Hey, husbands and wives, it applies in your marriage. Listen, you're saved. You're married to a saved person. How do you treat them? Because listen, you're treating a child of God a certain way. That ought to be in a family. I remember growing up when, when my, my sister, one of, our, one of my siblings, finally had gotten saved. She, she made a profession of faith as a young person, but it wasn't real. And as, a, as an older teenager, she finally came to the realization of her need. 
And I remember just, uh, just, just the, the, the immense peace that came into our home. And it was a joyful time, but, you know, there was a great responsibility not to just treat my sisters well. That was difficult enough. <laughs> but to treat my sisters as my sisters also in Christ. And when that clicked for me, you can ask my sisters, I changed. Because it wasn't just, it wasn't just blood. It was the blood of Christ. There was a greater measure of that, that flow on into our family's life. And so I want you to note firstly that, that it's a flow on. Our love for one another, it's actually a flow on from our fellowship with God. And I want to say that firstly, if you're struggling to love others in the Lord, then examine your own walk with God first. Don't examine someone else, examine yourself. Because actually the onus is on you. And so examine yourself first. It's the basis, secondly, of our fellowship with one another. See, the, our basis for fellowship is love. Our belonging to Christ is the, the commonality we share, but our assembly is founded on love. In 1 Peter 1.22, being, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. You know what that is? With passion, he says. First Thessalonians 4.9, But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. You can also look at Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Look at, you can look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. That, that understanding of, of brotherly love or a love for the brethren or love for one another, you Understand that in the ancient world, when these scriptures were written, the concept of love was only ever reserved for members of your biological family. It was always only reserved for that. It was never in that, 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 um, that term, Philadelphia, which is the, the base word for brotherly love or love for one another. That was never, in the usage of it, never used outside of the home. It was never used outside of the, your biological family. Yet what, what the, the Holy Spirit does is he, he, in the usage of it in our Bible, He redefines this in our usage in Scripture to include those beyond our immediate family. It's the household of faith that we are to love as we do our earthly family. And it really, it ought to produce a couple of things. Look at Matthew chapter 12. Look at Matthew chapter 12. And I want you to note verses, um, verses 47 down to 50. And notice this, the attitude that the Lord Jesus himself, and you know, if we were to look at the, the foremost example of how to love, we've got to look at Jesus, right? But look at, look at his attitude. Notice this. Then one said unto him, so he was, he, he was in a huge crowd and he finds his, his earthly family. So his mother and his brethren were standing without. That means they were outside. And so someone rushes in and he says, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with thee, saying, your, your mother and your, your siblings are outside. They want to speak with you, Lord Jesus, and 
Notice his response. He answered and said unto him that told him, Who is my mother? And who are my brethren? This wasn't a disrespect. He was trying to demonstrate something. And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples. So he stretched it out towards those who were in the crowd. And he said, Behold my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father, which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. He's saying here, you know, those who do the will of God, salvation, obedience to Him, his, that's His family. And listen, if you're, if you're saved here, you, you've been obedient to the will of God for your life. That means that this is family. This is family. You know, we ought to look around. Have a quick look around. Go ahead, turn your heads, look around. We're all different. Who, who, would, um, who would say, well, I was born in Australia? Raise your hand. Who says, well, I, I, I wasn't born in Australia, but I am an Australian. I've got both my hands up, but yeah. Okay, who, who arrived here from... From, who arrived here from Europe? Any, any originally Europeans? Anyone from, from the islands? Any representatives from the islands? I am Philippine Islands, all right, so. Right? Asia, Africa, South America, North America. All right, hey, listen. This is a pretty unique family. You look around and everyone has different stories and backgrounds. And, and we have some things in common. You know what we have in common? We're all sinners. We have that in common. The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. And so regardless of our background, actually we have that in common. We're all sinners. But if, you're, if you've confessed Christ at some point in your life, you've turned to Him for salvation for your sins, then you also have this in common, you have a Savior. You have the Lord Jesus Christ. And we may not agree, and, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say that if you, we were to interview everyone here about a certain topic, you know, something controversial like, what's your favorite ice cream? I, I bet we would all have some sort of difference. There might be something that, you know, you have a strong opinion on that you don't agree with someone else. There might be something that, you know, you just don't quite understand about another and you'd never do that. But you know what? In Christ, we are one. In Christ, we are all equal at the foot of the cross. In Christ, there's an expectation then that we ought to love. And what I'm saying is firstly... What it ought to produce in us as a church and as, as people is an inclusiveness. You know, we don't like that word at times. But if you look at this scene in heaven in Revelation chapter 5 verse 9, it says, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. And notice this, those who were there out of every kindred, out of every tongue and out of every people and nation. Listen, the, the family of God is international. 
And you might not, you, you, you may not ever understand where it's at for your brethren here, but listen, we ought to try. There, there are those out there who are looking to belong to a family, and listen, there are those out there, and I'm saying those of you sitting out there who didn't have a family until you belonged to Christ. And there's yet more. You look around at the, uh, just at the, uh, your local shopping center. You, you go down to downtown Brisbane and you walk around a little bit and there are those who are alone. There are those who don't belong. And yet one of the basic human conditions that we would say is a need is the need to belong. And listen, we have the answer. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ and through the gospel... Those who are orphaned by sin can belong. And you know what? All of us here, that was our story. Yes, you might be sitting with your earthly family here this morning. Some of you don't. But listen, the, the, the great thing is that that family is really just a type of the greater family that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, we ought to rejoice for the fact that we have one another in Christ. And it ought to produce inclusiveness. See, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12, Then the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another. And notice this, And toward all men, even as we do toward you. And what I'm saying is, Christ, everyone belongs. And here's what I'm saying. We ought to reach everyone. Regardless of, of background, regardless of color, of race, we ought to reach everyone. You know, I, I, we ought to be just as comfortable in, in, the, in a company of believers if we were in Paraguay, if we were in Sri Lanka, if we were in outback uh, Queensland, if we were even in New South Wales. We ought to be just as comfortable why? Because we belong to Christ. Because He first loved us. Hey, they might do something different. They, they might, in Argentina, drink from the same cup, mate. And you might go, ooh, I'm not sure about that. You know, when, when I went there, here's what I did. I knew about it, so I drank for first, right? So, <laughs> but listen, there might be all of these differences but you know what? It's a time of rejoicing when we're with each other. There ought to be a sense where you belong. And listen, that, that, that can only be fostered by firstly a, a, a real walk and understanding of who we are in Christ. And then a, a practice of it in our lives. Hey, listen, when we walk through those doors, we ought to just decide that we're going to love today. We're just going to decide we're going to notice people. We're going to notice if, if, you know, someone's limping a little bit. And we're going to ask that question. I remember a couple of years ago, um, you all know uh, Evangelist Gil Anger. He's in, in, the, in heaven with the Lord now. But I remember hearing a story about him where he, when he was at, um, at Bible college and what they did during dinner and, and any time they had a meal, they just had a rule, you're not allowed to ask for anything. And what, that, what it was, was they would sit and, and each other, they would have to try to notice what the, what the other's need is. 
So even as simple as, can you pass the salt, they weren't allowed to ask. He had to notice that they needed salt. And, you know, there ought to be an understanding that we can ask one another, but sometimes it's just nice if we would notice the need. If we would notice that there's just a need with our neighbor, with our brethren. You know, it ought to produce inclusiveness. It ought to produce initiative. And love, C.S. Lewis said this, love is unselfishly choosing for another's highest good. And that's the problem, isn't it? Really, when we don't love, it's because we're just being ourselves. Which, in our natural state, which, unchecked, is this, we're just selfish. We're just about ourselves. And I'm saying that ourselves because I'm part of that too. And, and it ought to produce initiative. You know, Hebrews 10.24, we know this. We know verse 25, forsaking our, not our assembling of ourselves together. But verse 24 gives us the, the reason why we meet. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. There's going to be times where we, we provoke each other in the, those two areas, to love and to good works. That, that's why sometimes I'm going to preach a message that will step on your toes. But I'm just going to tell you I'm doing it out of love. All right? Sometimes you're going to tell someone, just because just of your concern for them, that, that you, something you've observed, and we ought to take that in a sense of, boy, this person loves me enough to tell me that. And we ought to provoke one another to do right. In, in Ephesians 4, 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. And we ought to have some patience with one another. You know, it takes time to grow. It takes time to, to be more like Christ. It takes time to, to, uh, to, to grow in certain things. And we ought to have patience for one another. In Galatians 5.13, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. When was the last time you just had the attitude that then rather than coming here to get something, that you would give something, that we would serve one another in love. That we would just come in with an attitude that I want to serve someone today because I love God. 1 Peter 3, 8, finally be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful, be courteous. The, the, the understanding that as we love one another, we show compassion, that we're single-minded in the things that we do. See, it ought to produce those, produce those kinds of initiatives. But then as we've alluded to really, in the last place, it ought to be, it ought to be something that's present in our gathering together. Because it ought to be a marker to the lost. It ought to be a marker to the loss of who we are in Christ. You know, in the end, the way we love one another, it tells those who are without Christ what we're all about. You know, 1 John 3, 23, and this is the commandment, this is his commandment, that we should love one another, believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. You know, it was, it was John, the beloved um, disciple, who upon reflection he writes this. He recalls the very words of Christ. In John 13, 34 to 35, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know, 
that ye are my disciples if ye have loved one for another. Now, who wrote the Bible? God, right? Now, God being the author, he could have written anything. He could have said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you live holy. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you, if you give generously. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you are faithful to attend 100% of the time. He could have said all of that, but he said this instead, that you love one another. That's what he chose to be the marker to those who are without Christ that it will indicate to the world that we are one of his, that we are a faithful follower, is that if we would love one another. Now, you know, many times we would project, and probably on Vision Sunday we're going to project about winning the lost. I hope that we have a heart to understand that those who are without Christ, they're facing an eternity in hell. And that there's an urgency about that because the Bible says we ought not to boast ourselves of tomorrow for we know not what a day may bring forth. I just, just heard this morning about a friend of mine in the States who went out soul winning yesterday. He was just a pastor friend and he was just struggling. He said he didn't really want to obey Christ that day. He didn't really want to go out and, and tell others. So, But he, he saw this man and he's a... Uh, his elder mom who was just struggling. And, and initially, the Holy Spirit said, go speak to them. And so he went over. And instead of giving a track, he gave a church invitation. Now he went past again, and then he saw that again they were struggling. So the Holy Spirit impressed upon his heart, why, why don't you go and speak with them? And instead of speaking with them, he just went and he gave them a track. Now the third time he went past them, he was just so burdened because they were sitting on the front porch, and, and the mother was crying, and he saw that this man was actually reading that gospel track. So he went up to the porch. He started speaking to them. And you know, they got gloriously saved that morning. But listen, it was just this, that he just understood eventually, even through some stubbornness, that he needed to talk to someone. And listen, sometimes we're uncomfortable, aren't we, to, to talk with people. And I understand that. Maybe your personality, you're introverted, and that's just not you. But here's a small witness that you can have if you would just demonstrate love for your brethren. You know, we focus often um, on, on projecting who would win, but have you ever thought about who you've lost because of how unloving you perhaps have been to the brethren? I wonder what words come out of our mouths in our workplaces about our church. I wonder what kind of things we say about, you know, another brother in Christ, and they just, they know you go to church together, but here you are, you're saying things and gossiping about things, and you're hurting their reputation in the workplace. And listen, how many have we lost because of a bad taste in a person's mouth? Because simply this, we weren't obedient to this command that we would love one another. I don't know about you, but that's a sobering thought in my mind. How many have we lost? because of the way we've behaved one toward another. See, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. You know who said that? Jesus. There's a great expectation from the Lord. As he has loved, so we ought to love. These things I command you, that you love one another. How does the world tell you're a Christian? He said this, it's just by how we love one another. All of those, those things that we mentioned previously, holiness, the, our speech, our behavior, all those are factors that 
But really, the main way the lost will tell that you're a follower of Christ is by the way you love one another. How do we speak to our spouse? How do we speak to our children? How do we how do we treat the church? Are we loving? How how do we go about in our week and what does the world what do we advertise to the world about about the church? What do we advertise to the world about Christ? What does the world see about Christianity in the way you speak of, treat, and respond to your church family? you give priority? Do you show compassion? In the next couple of weeks, we're going to drill down into the nature and function of how we ought to treat one another. But that's the, that's the basis. If we don't decide when we come together and when we're all walking about our week to and day to day, if we just don't decide to simply love, then the, the form, uh, the nature and the function of the way we treat each other is null and void because we don't have the right foundation. And so this morning, it's simply this, will you decide? Will you decide that regardless of all the differences, regardless of, well, we don't quite like that person because it happens, would you just simply decide, well, I'm just going to love anyway? Why? Because Christ loved me. Why? Because... He loved me, and so I can love those whom he loved. And again, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to dive more specifically into those things. But in the end, we've got to decide, is the love that God has shown me reflected in the way we love those whom he loved? I want to challenge you today. Pray with, with me today. That we would be as individual Christians, but that as a church, that our way is, is, is really the loving way that Christ loved us. Pray with me today that in you and your own treatment of others is loving, not out of a deep sense of what we have in common from an earthly perspective, but that we belong to the family whom God loved. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you. And really we can only say that because you first loved us. And Father, the reality is, all of us here, we would be hopeless and undone without our Lord and Savior willingly in love laying down his life for us. And Father, for saved here this morning, we understand, dear God, the great cost of that. And Lord, we just want to come before you and Lord, just with, with a sincerity, bow our heads, knowing that, Lord, in, in many ways we fall short of that. Lord, expectation that we would love one another. Pray that you'd help us, Lord. I pray that you'd help us to go beyond the, the normal markers of, of love that we would go beyond and see that, Lord, really, it's, it's simple obedience to you, that we would decide and we would choose to be unselfish, that we would choose, Lord, to, to give each other a go. Lord, that we would choose that, that in love we would care a great deal. So I pray that you'd help us this morning as a church. The piano can begin to play. We're going to have a time of invitation, and I want to invite you to come. If, if the Lord spoke to your heart about the way you love, maybe it's in, in, your, in your ministry, maybe it's in the way, really, that, that you've just 
just the, the spirit and attitude perhaps that you've come with, and God just convicted you about that, would you come this morning as a piano plays? Maybe you're here this, this day, and simply if I were to ask you this question, if you were to die today, would you know for sure that your sins are forgiven and heaven's your home? If you, you don't know for sure, can I tell you that the Bible says that these things are written that you might know that you have eternal life. I'm not asking if you're a good person. I'm not asking if you've given to the church. I'm asking if you're saved, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Can I tell you, if you haven't, then, then God being a God of justice, he, he will send you to a place called the Lake of Fire. And I want you to understand that, dear friend, that today is a day of salvation, that you have this opportunity today to be saved. So if Christian, why don't we come and why don't we just, just settle it in our heart? We will choose to love. We will choose to love.